I was playing junior hockey and kind of I started to get noticed and take off and all at once um, the offers and visits started happening and and so Miami started recruiting me I, I, I went to campus and drove an hour from the airport through the cornfields like you know every other person that's been there and I was like blown away about just the feel of, of Oxford and the feel of Miami the buildings the look the education aspect um, it felt like I belonged it felt like home um, and I, I always kind of felt that you know if I was not playing hockey would I be happy and I just had a comfort level at Miami between the school and the coaching staff and the players that it just felt right Kevin Adams is the real deal and he's also come full circle in life a Miami student athlete and alum a merger shout out to Stacy his wife a sorority sister of my wife a Stanley Cup winner, businessman, and now a father of a Miami student living in the same dorm he did 20 plus years ago. As you'll hear, the journey wasn't straight and it certainly was not easy, but grit, perseverance, putting your work in every day helped him push forward. You need it to back everything up and earn everything. They're more than mottos, as he says. They're a way of life and stuff he learned as a student athlete and hockey player at Miami. It's a fun, wide-ranging pod. From the impact Miami had on him, to the impact Miami has on the NHL, to what he did with the Stanley Cup when he had it for a day at home, and putting yourself in uncomfortable situations, learning, and working with good people. I'll even take it a little step further. She she is in Hepburn Hall, which is where I lived for three years, hmm. and uh, you know, moving her in in August, and you know, kind of my life flashed before my eyes a little bit, and you know, I remember on my recruiting visit, staying in Hepburn Hall. And I was, uh, I actually stayed with Chris Bergeron and remember him <laughs> sitting out on the front step with, with me at five in the morning, waiting for the coach to pick me up and take me away. And it made a huge impression on me. Like, okay, if this guy wants to, wants to help me, this is a place that I want to be. And then what, 20 some years later, I'm walking up the same steps. It was, uh, it was surreal. I gotta be honest. What was the experience? Like I, I was, in the dorm for one year and then out for three years what was the experience like in a dorm for three years yeah I was to be honest I was ready to <laughs> I was ready to be done with it by the end but yeah. back then on when you're on scholarship you had to stay on campus so my freshman year I was in Stanton Hall and you know that was great and then three the next three years was Hepburn so I actually was four four years in a row and you know eating in Martin Dining Hall and uh I mean, it's great, and obviously, you're not going to complain when you're you know you're a hundred yards from the old Goggin Ice Arena, and you know you're on scholarship, so you don't have much to complain about. But uh, I was definitely ready to get out of a dorm by the end of my senior year. And so, obviously, as you mentioned, it the scholarship is part a reason that you ended up in Oxford. But what did Miami? How did Miami separate itself from all the other schools that you looked at? Yeah, you know, I was. It was a unique situation for me, kind of uh, going through the recruiting process. I was not a blue chip kind of, you know, five star recruit, if you want to call it that. Um, I was a little bit under the radar growing up in Buffalo. Um, I was playing junior hockey, and kind of, I started to get noticed and take off, and all at once, um, the offers and visits started happening, and and so. Miami started recruiting me. I, I, I went to campus and drove an hour from the airport through the cornfields, like, you know, every other person that's been there. And I was like blown away about just the feel of, of Oxford and the feel of Miami, the buildings, the look, the education aspect. Um, it felt like 
I belonged. It felt like home. Um, and I, I always kind of felt that, you know, if I was not playing hockey, would I be happy? And I just had a comfort level at Miami between the school and the coaching staff and the players that it just felt right. And I was fortunate to be at that time being recruited by, you know, uh, Lake Superior State and other schools that were, you know, national championship programs. And Miami at that time was kind of on the rise, but not at that level. But um, it just felt like I needed to be at that place. And it was certainly, I'm glad I made that decision all these years later. And, and I think they call them the alum or the current hockey players, the brotherhood. What is it about that group of guys that either on campus or now years later that keeps you all connected? Yeah. Um, you know, that, that my freshman year team, so that's 92, was the first team that won the CCHA championship. We were, you know, in the national tournament at one point during the season, we were ranked number two in the country. That team actually is the team that came up with kind of the brotherhood um, slogan. And really, it was less about a marketing and, hey, it's the brotherhood. It was more about a way of life. Um, we were going to take care of each other. We were going to do the right things on and off the ice in the weight room, in the classroom. And it was, it was kind of an unspoken bond that we all shared. And I think what's happened all these years later is whether you played, you know, one year with someone or four years with someone, when you go through the experiences you do as a, as a student athlete, um, there's a bond. And I give Chris Bergeron, who obviously now is back as head coach, a huge amount of credit. He was the senior captain on that team. There was great leadership from Rico Blasi and Brian Savage and, you can go down the list on different players that had a huge influence on the Miami program, but also had a huge influence on me personally. And how do you take that, that motto, that slogan, or just that way of life into present day and the, the years outside, after playing Miami and even playing in the NHL? Yeah. So for me going to Miami, I was 17 years old. Um, when I, when I first stepped foot on that campus in freshman year, August, so I was a kid, I had no idea what was going on. Um, and I learned very quickly, um, that you had to back it up, right? Like you had to, to put the work in and you had to earn everything. And that's what that team was all about. And that's what kind of the Miami culture was all about. And I was, extremely fortunate to to have a, a, a good season personally my freshman year I ended up becoming a first round draft pick um, the next June and but I never for one second lost that um, the, the earn everything mentality and I think for me I've I've tried to take that with me the rest of, of my life since my days in Miami where then it was you know on to the next step in my hockey career and in business career that earn everything, do the right things, put the work in. Um, and that all kind of that fabric of that kind of came from those days of Miami. And so w remind me the rules there. So you're a first round pick after your freshman year. You have a, do you have a, you have a choice there either to go to the team or if you decide to stay in school, are you then required to stay in school for a set period of time? No, you could leave at any time. In fact, that was always a little bit one of those tricky situations for me was um, should I leave and sign a pro contract early? Um, and, and quite honestly, uh, I wasn't ready. You know, I wasn't good. I wasn't good enough to step into the NHL at 19, 20 years old. And I remember having a really honest discussion with my parents um, and they were like, you're in an amazing college. You're getting a degree. 
Um, why, why try to rush it? You, you know, so I had a lot to learn. I had to get stronger. I had to get better. And to be honest with you, like it was really important to me and in my family, ultimately that I, that I get a degree. So I, each summer I kind of evaluated my own personal situation and I made the decision to stay in school and I'm certainly glad I did. Um, and it just, to me, there too many people rush things, you know, like go, go put yourself in a situation before you're ready. Um, you're much better off being more prepared and ready and to have a degree in your back pocket certainly isn't a bad thing either. And then, and then you've got a number of years under your belt at the NHL, a, a Stanley cup, but you also, did some stints in and out of minors as well as over in Germany. So how about that experience of just navigating the league and moving around to different cities? And I'm sure sometimes you wanted to stay up in the NHL and just balancing that. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, I'm, and my career is, is very interesting for a lot of reasons and I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world, but I'll, I'll tell you candidly, it wasn't easy. You know, it was, uh, it was tough to, my first step coming out of Miami was, okay, I'm going to sign with the Bruins and I'm going to step right in the NHL. I'm 21 years old. And that didn't happen. I got into an immediately got into a contract battle with the Bruins. I held out for a year. I went and played in Grand Rapids, Michigan with an independent team in the minors and kind of just pushed the chips all in and said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to bet on myself that I can have a, a great season and a great situation. And maybe I was a little naive, but it worked out. And I ended up signing with the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, I made the, the NHL roster the next year, but then the next two years I was up and down from St. John's, Newfoundland. In fact, when I got sent down the first time, I was sitting on the plane to Newfoundland. I had no idea where Newfoundland was or I didn't even know where I was going. You know, and I, I, I was just gotten engaged and, you know, asking, uh, asking my fiance and my wife to, to come to some island four hours from Toronto. Like it was, it was interesting. And, you know, those are life experiences. And um, this amazing game of hockey has taken me all over the world. I was fortunate enough to play for Team USA a couple times and travel the world. And, you know, during the one lockout, like you mentioned, I went to Germany for six weeks and lived in Dusseldorf and played there to stay in shape and just, you know, experiences that are with me now. And, you know, ultimately getting a chance to stay in the National Hockey League and make a career out of it and fortunate enough to, to win a Stanley Cup. And it's just a um, dream come true. And I, I do feel like every day I was in the National Hockey League, I was thankful. I was appreciative. Um, I was honored to have that be my job. And I never lost sight of the fact of how fortunate I was. Um, but it was, an, it was an amazing ride as a player, for sure. What do you, what do you take from those ups and downs um, and difficulties and not, not the path that you probably thought you were going to have the moment uh, you were walking into Bruins camp or before the, being, or holding out? How do you take that now in family life or work life with the Sabres? Grit, grit and perseverance to me are characteristics that it, it doesn't matter what you're doing um, professionally or in a living or a family you have to have if you want to um, succeed. And I think that, you know, I think sometimes we get blinded across all aspects of business or sports on talent or, or um, how smart someone is, you know what you can, if you have grit and perseverance and you want something bad enough and you do the right things day after day and put the work in, you can achieve incredible things. So I think just kind of that, that 
learning of picking yourself up and battling through adversity and asking yourself tough questions and say, how bad do you want it? And, and also understanding that it doesn't always go your way, you know, like you're going to have, you're going to have things that maybe it doesn't, it doesn't bounce your way all the time, but what are you going to do about it? And I think that's something for me, I, I learned valuable lessons and that's why I think sports is incredible. Even at the youth age, you know, ages, because you can learn so much from that. And some of the students at Miami got to see the Stanley Cup when Mitch Korn, the now Islanders goalie coach, but then Caps goalie coach, got the day with the cup and walked it through Oxford. And I think had had a dining room seat at President Crawford's house for dinner and then a night at Mac and Joe's. And I think you had the cup for a day. Tell me about that and where you took it. Yeah, so, I, you know, I've known Mitch a long time and um, back, you know, even before I went to Miami, I, I've known Mitch for years and years. So it was really cool to see him bring the cup to Oxford. And I think it, uh, it the thing that's amazing about the Stanley Cup is you don't have to be a passionate or diehard hockey fan to appreciate um, how amazing it is and how special it is. To me, it's the most um, difficult trophy in the world to win. And it's also revered across, you know, sports fans or just anyone in the world sees the Stanley cup and instantly there's a, wow, that's, that's the Stanley cup. And so to bring it to Oxford and have those, you know, be able to take it around, I think was really cool. Um, for me, I was fortunate to have an opportunity where I spent a couple hours in my parents' house and a lot of family friends or where I grew up, um, were able to spend some time. And, you know, my buddies that I, from the time I was five, six years old and grew up with, were able to have some fun. But, uh, we ended up down at, uh, Chautauqua Lake where I have, uh, my wife and I bought a house there early on in my career and, and had a big celebration and, you know, Derek Block and Matt Oates and used to skin guys that were teammates of mine um, in in Miami days were back for that party. And it was uh, it was sad to see it go, but I, I think I needed a little sleep. It was a, it was a pretty good <laughs> run we had. That's fun. And there's so many Miamians that have ended up in hockey, not just not just playing and now you with the Sabres, but the John Walton's down at Caps play by play and Bill Davidge doing X amount of years play-by-play and TV for the Blue Jackets and others. What is it about Miami and hockey that on and off the ice just has led everyone to that space, that sport? Well, I'm glad you brought it up because I think I think there's a lot of um, probably students at Miami right now that don't realize how many opportunities there are in professional sports that aren't just you know on the ice or on the field. And um, if you're passionate about sports or you're passionate about um getting into it you know there's a lot of different ways to do that and i think that's a great example of what you brought up there's broadcasters there's so many different areas within um you know that your your expertise can shine and so i think that's part of it just the the hockey world's small um there's a connectivity i think part of what makes miami um so special is that you know, whether you played in Miami or you're a student in Miami, when I, when I meet someone that went to Miami, I, I immediately feel like, okay, I know the experiences they went through and I, I want to talk to that person. I want to understand what they're all about. And I, and, and I think that that's part of what makes you know Miami great. So talk about you now off the ice uh, with the Sabres and a relatively new role the last few months though you've been with the organization for a number of years, your day to day and what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, so I'm now a senior vice president um, with the Buffalo Sabres, and uh, it's an incredible 
opportunity, learning experience. Um, I am trying to learn every day. Um, you know, my day-to-day role is to kind of oversee the business operations. Um, I'm fortunate where I report on a day-to-day basis to Terry and Kim Pagula, the, the owners and uh, president, uh, CEO of the Sabres. So it's a, it's a great, um, just amazing, great experience of, of learning. I would say for me, there has to be a uh, a curiosity um, about you every day to to want to get better and to learn, and that's what I'm kind of in the process of right now. Asking a lot of questions: Why do we do certain things? Um, is does this make sense? Why we've done it this way before doesn't mean we should keep doing it this way. So it's really an evaluation and an understanding. Um, yeah, you know. And so when I when this all started ten years ago, when I first retired, I was on the coaching and player development side, and then. You know, my roles changed over the years and the Terry and Kim Pagula, who also own the Buffalo Bills, ended up uh, purchasing the Sabres. And I've been treated so unbelievable by them that I, I just feel really fortunate. It's a it's it's a great opportunity. And, and talk about the just the transition from player to coach to business, the similarities and differences of how you go about your day. Yeah. So, you know, David, I think it's, it's something I talk about with people a lot. Um, I really believe every day, um, I'm taking lessons that I learned on the ice and within a team to now the business side of, of professional hockey. And what I mean by that is I think sometimes we, we overcomplicate things, um, whether it's a team on the ice or it's a team in the, in the boardroom, um, surrounding yourself with great people, being honest, being humble, being hungry, doing the right things day after day, um, being, being a piece of the puzzle, not the puzzle, you know, mentality. And I think that's just, that's about being a team player and, you know, whether it's, it's the actual team on the ice and, you know, people sometimes will ask me like, you know, with the Stanley cup team, like, how did that happen? And I, you know, and I always go back to, I thought our coach, Peter Laviolette did a phenomenal job of getting players to buy in and believe that it's bigger than them. And so, yeah, your role was, was important day to day, but it's bigger than me. And that's now my mentality, what I'm doing day in and day. I was trying to help our staff. We all have day to day jobs, but we also work for a big organization and you have to check your ego at the door. You have to have the ability to have accountability and honest conversations and push each other to get better. And so, all of those things are also part of what happens within a hockey team or any sports team. Um, and now it's just a different role for me, but I, at the end of the day, um, I think to simplify, surround yourself with great people, do the right things every day, be humble and hungry and honest, and you can do great things. And when you drop off your daughter in Oxford next August or pick her up, I guess, next May, where, where are the two or three places you're stopping Maybe even before you see her. <laughs> well, I'm a big turkey gobbler guy, so yep. I have to go to Mag and Joe's um, for my turkey gobbler. And I met my wife uh, the end of my junior year, end of her senior year. And so and she lived in a house called Random House, and, and they used to go to Bagel Deli all the time. And she has to get a random bagel. So it's usually Mac and Joe's, um, Bagel Deli, and then... Um, and at some point, definitely a stop by Chris Bergeron's house just to make sure I uh, sit and catch up with him and have a glass of wine. So those are probably my three Oxford stops. <laughs> and what do you tell not just your daughter, but the 15,000 students at Miami 
about those life experiences and uh, what to do or how to take advantage of Oxford and what they should be thinking about as they head off to a transition of their own? Yeah, I think while you're at Miami, is, and I tell my daughter this all the time, there is an incredible amount of opportunity to take advantage of so many different things. There's so many clubs. There's so many different um, programs and experiences and amazing professors and students that um, you can learn from and be open to that. Push yourself, put yourself in maybe uncomfortable situations where you grow and learn and figure out what you're passionate about. I think Miami to me, and I said this to my wife when we were visiting a couple of years ago, it was a great place when we were there and you, know, you and I, David, were there at the same time. It's so much even better now. I mean, it's this beautiful, beautiful campus that um, is giving these, you know, thousands and thousands and whatever it is, 16,000 students, um, an incredible start to their next phase of their life. And, you know, for the ones that graduate and, and go on to the next chapter, you know, I think, I think it's really uh, important to, to figure out what you're passionate about and then be all in and don't, don't chase a company because of the name of a company, chase the people that are the right people to surround yourself with. If you believe in the people um, and you're going to learn every day and you're going to do the right things, the success will take care of itself. It's not always a straight line. It's not always maybe on your own timeline, but you, you have to continue to learn. And I just think it's about people. Um, you know, like when you say when kids are young, you want you want your kids to have great friends and surround themselves with the right people. It's the same thing um, in your professional career. Learn from learn from people. Find find a company that um, helps you grow and learn. And I think you can then, you know, the kind of the path will take care of itself. Kevin, thank you. You're a first class man. Definitely looking forward to grabbing a pint with you real soon at Mac and Joe's and, of course, Skippers. Have a good day.